Well, we're live here on the Keys 107 Network. We're back on track. As you know, last time we broadcasted, we had some problems. We had some severe technical difficulties, and maybe it was the storm. Maybe it wasn't the storm. We never know with technology, but we don't let it rock us. We just keep it moving. We've been in touch with our special guest who was to be on the show, uh, Dr. Chris Hinckley, who was going to talk about the characteristics, the attributes of what makes an admired man. And he's done an extensive study with over 4,700 people that he interviewed, both men and women, where they gave their uh, discussions, their experiences, some who have grown up without a father, um, some who have grown up with somebody who took the place of their father, but he dig deep. He dug deep into the souls of the people who were fatherless. And he's um, very excited to be on the Keys 107, and he's committed to coming back. We just have to confirm that date. And um, we are very excited today to start off with our What's New in Your World uh, series. Uh, and we, we just got a lot to talk about, but we're not going to hold up hold up the conversation too long, but just to let you know right off the back, the Keys 107 invites you to join us in a wonderful trip to South Africa. We're going to Durban, we're going to Johannesburg, we're going to Cape Town. We'll be in South Africa on Nelson Mandela's birthday, and if you've ever seen a country just celebrate the life of a man, you need to be in South Africa on July 18th when South Africa celebrates Nelson Mandela's birthday. So without further ado, uh, we're going to jump right into this today. We've got uh, Haru Niket. I'm calling him the author. I'm calling him the business guru. I'm calling him the financial advisor. But I know he's a lot more than that, and he's got some tips for you. We're looking into answering the question, why do most people fail to find the financial success they're looking for? And uh Haru, are you are you there on the line? Yeah, I'm here. Good. So let's just get right into it. Roll your sleeves up. I got my <laughs> pen and my paper just to let the listening audience know if you want to call in and ask Haru a question. Now's your time. 213-943-3618. It's 213-943-3618. Call in. Jump in the chat room on Facebook. Um, look for the Keys 107 group. Look for Haroon Niket. Friend him. He's in the chat room. I see him. He's in the chat room. The Keys is in the chat room. And we're also in the Blog Talk chat room. Or you can you can email us if you're shy. Suggestions with an S. Suggestions at the Keys 107 network. Haroon? Yes. How's so you it going? You guys ready? Well, we're yeah, here. Brother great. James is here. Let me let him know that his okay. mic is live. Uh, Brother James, your yeah. mic is live. Well, good evening, everyone, and I'm glad to be back here on the Keys 107 to welcome our esteemed guest, uh, Brother Haru. We're looking forward to hearing much wisdom to this evening and every third Thursday thereafter. So how you doing, my brother? I'm doing great. That's good. That's good. Okay, not going to belabor it. I want to um, get right into it just like Rafika. I got my pen and my pad ready to roll notes <laughs> and get busy trying, trying to be successful. Well, I, I really want to start with um, 
answering the question kind of backwards. I'm going to tell you what it's not. Um, when we ask the question, why do most people fail, there's a, it's definitely not a shortage of desire. Uh, everybody wants it. So, you know, most people think, well, people don't want it bad enough. That's definitely not the issue. And, and I can tell you that's not the issue because there are some great examples in, in history of people who wanted it and even wrote about it and wrote about how you can get it and still didn't have it. Um, one of the most widely read books, self-help books on being successful was Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and mm. he died penniless. And oh. when we look at books like um, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles, he died penniless. And so we have all these examples of people who wanted it really bad and, and even told you, you know, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to align your mind. And they still died penniless. So there's, mm. there's something that was missing in what they did. So it has to go far beyond the mindset. It has to go beyond the mantras. It has to go beyond the vision boards. It has to go beyond um, wanting it really badly. And there's definitely not a shortage of money. Uh, we live in a $16.6 trillion economy, but only 5% of the population are millionaires. So there's definitely enough money for every single adult in America to be a millionaire with some excess left over. Um, so it's not the lack of desire. It's not the lack of money. So we have to really start breaking it down and think about, you know, what, what is it? What is it that people are missing? And, you know, I have to go back to my, my own story a little bit. Um, I left my job. I decided to go on my own in 2004. And when I was about to leave, I was an educator. And there was a guy who worked with me, and he said to me, he said, Haru, you're so lucky. And I said, what do you mean I'm lucky? He said, you get to leave. And I said, well, you get to leave too. He said, no, I can't leave. I said, well, why can't you leave? He said, well, I, I can't. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's back up for, for a minute. I said, are you happy being here? He said, no, I'm not happy being here. I said, well, what would you want to do? He said, I want to be a musician. I said, so how come you're not a musician? And he couldn't answer the question. I said, okay, well, how did you get this job? He said, well, my cousin told me about the job opening. I needed a job, so I took the job. I said, oh, so pretty much you got the job by accident. He said, well, I guess you can say that. And I said, okay, well, um, when do you plan on leaving the job? He said, I don't know. I said, so if you leave the job, it'll be an accident. He said, well, I guess you can say that. I said, so basically you're telling me you live your life as a series of accidents. And I think a lot of people live their lives as a series of accidents, and you can't live your life as a series of accidents. Everything has to be purposeful. And so, you know, when I looked at my own story, I created an exit strategy. I like to do things by formula, and I think formula is the best way to really be able to replicate and duplicate um, no matter what the situation is. If you can apply a formula, it always works. And I have a simple formula that I use, and I think it will work well, and I'm going to break down the formula into little pieces um, throughout the interview. And the formula goes like this. It's really simple. Evaluation preparation, execution, in that order, evaluation, preparation, execution. So that means we have to find a, a new way of thinking, viewing the world, and acting, and we have to apply that formula. So when I say evaluate, if we just look at that first aspect of it, most people don't step back and without criti being critical of themselves, without judgment, don't step back and take a real close analysis of where they are. And if you don't take a real close look honestly about where you are, it's very difficult to move forward from that place. And so you have to evaluate quite a few things. You have to evaluate your income, and I mean your income sources. Um, 
is your income source a viable source of income for you, depending on where you want to go? You have to um, evaluate the amount of debt that you have. Um, is it good debt or bad debt? There's a big difference between good debt and bad debt, and most people don't know the difference. Bad debt is, be- is debt that's uncovered by the use of the debt. So let me give you an example. There's good debt. Good debt, if I wanted to buy a piece of real estate and I borrow money to buy the real estate and that real estate produces income that covers the debt then and puts money in my pocket, it's good debt. If I get a credit card and there's a sale at a major department store and I go and use my credit card and I purchase something that's uncovered debt, that's bad debt. And so you have to evaluate the types of debt that you have. Um, you have to look at every single expense that you have. Sometimes you can find things at a lower price. Sometimes you're, you're uh, spending money where you shouldn't be spending it. Most people don't take the time to even keep an expense journal to figure out where their money is going. Um, you have to evaluate the current lifestyle that you have as opposed to the lifestyle you want to live. You have to evaluate uh, the sources of information that you have. Are you getting all your information from people who are on the same level as you, or are you getting your information from sources where people aspire to be on a different level than you? Um, you have to evaluate your belief system centered around money. You know, sometimes we don't think we deserve it. Sometimes we think money is bad. Sometimes we don't really understand what happens when you have money. We have to evaluate that. You also have to evaluate your relationships in the network that you have. So you have to really step back. Before you can be successful, you've got to step back and look at everything, look at the entire picture, and you have to really figure out where you're starting from, and that's really critically important. Once you've evaluated those types of things, then you can begin to prepare. And the preparation has to be holistic. So most people have the mental side of it. Uh, and, I, I, and when I say the mental side of it, they start putting things into alignment. And I'll give you an example. Um, the vision boards are important for putting your mind in a certain direction. Uh, the mantras are important for aligning you in that direction and, and um, reminding you of what you're supposed to do. But there has to be a little bit more than that. When I, so when I say most people are ready on that, in that regard, they're not ready in another regard. There's a difference in the mindset of somebody who's wealthy and somebody who's not wealthy. You look at the world totally different. Um, you don't look at ways to earn income anymore. You look at opportunities that exist. And that's a, a big shift that most people don't have. Um, you also have to begin to think like a business owner or an investor, which means you start thinking about return on investment as opposed to, how much money can I get for my sweat equity? So you have to begin to shift and be devoid of the emotion in your business dealings because that's all about the numbers. But then you have to be emotional in the sense that you have to be passionate about being successful. Um, you can't get overly emotional about a business deal, though, because some business deals just uh, aren't good and you have to let them go. Then you have to be physically ready. So one of the things that you have to do is, when you prepare, you have to prepare physical space. One of the things that most people fail to do is prepare a separate space where you can just think, where you can do your work outside of the distractions of uh, maybe the children and television and all these other things. You have to create a nice physical space that's conducive to being uh, successful. You also have to give yourself time. One of the things we fail to understand is we dedicate very little time to our success, and we dedicate a lot of time to other things. 
usually people tell me, they say, well, I don't have a lot of time. And I say, well, how are you using your time? Because we all have exactly the same amount of time. Well, if you have a job, it might take you an hour to prepare in the morning. It might take you an hour to travel. You work on your job for eight hours. It takes you another hour to get home. It takes you another hour to drain off. Then you have responsibilities at home. And so how much time are you really dedicating to be, being successful or being wealthy? Usually you say, well, I'm a little tired. I'll do it on the weekend. But then when the weekend comes, you realize that you have a bunch of chores that you have to do that you didn't do. So you end up dedicating an hour or two to being successful when you've dedicated the rest of your week to things that are not conducive to your success. Um, so when we look at, at creating the time, you have to create the time. And people say, well, how can I get my time back? Well, turn the television off. If you turn the television off, the average person watches three, four, five, six hours of television a day. If you turn it off for an hour a day, that gives you seven more hours during the week. So you have to create that, that space. You also have to create that time. Uh, once you've created that space and that time, um, then you have to really begin to visualize exactly what it is that you want. And people haven't really done that. So I ask people, well, how much money are you trying to make? Most people say, I want to make a million dollars. I say, well, how do you know a million dollars is enough? And people can't answer that question. I said, how do you know a million dollars is enough? And, and let me tell you where I'm going with this. You have to clearly see what your vision is for the lifestyle that you want to live. And when I say a clear vision of the lifestyle you want to live, what your dream home looks like, what your vehicle looks like, how much vacation time you want, uh, what types of things do you want to do with your time, um, how are you going to entertain yourself? You have to get a clear picture of where it is exactly that you want to go. And once you get a clear picture of exactly where it is that you want to go, then it's important that you then put a price tag on that. See, some people have a modest lifestyle that they want to live, and so a million dollars might be way too much uh, or way more than what they need. Um, some people have a lavish lifestyle that they want to live, and a million dollars won't even come close to financing that. So it's important also to understand that you need to have a clear picture. You need to put a monetary value to it so you know what you're working towards. If you don't have that clear picture, it's not going to happen. So we figured out exactly where we're starting. Now we figured out where we want to go. That's when you can begin to put a plan together. So in that preparation time, after you visualize the, the beginning or, or you've evaluated the beginning and you visualize the end, you figure out what it costs, then you have to put a time frame on how long it's going to take you to get where you want to be. That means that you have to say, I want to be able to get this done in two years, three years, four years, five years, or it might be one year. That's critically important too because that will dictate the type of vehicles that you use to generate the income that you want to get where you want to go. Now, I'm going a little fast. I hope you, get, you guys can jump in and ask questions uh, you know what, Haru? I wanted yes. I wanted you to set the stage, and okay. I didn't want to interrupt you because I know that these categories okay. are critically important. And I'm going to come back and start back with the evaluation. I have some questions and comments okay. on, on that. Sure. So oh, I'm sorry. You, you, you were talking about uh, no. no. <laughs> Go ahead and keep on with preparation. Yes. No, 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 no. Because I, I, I don't want to lose people. So if you have the questions, let, let's deal with that now, and then we can move forward with the rest of it. 
Okay, so one thing that came to my mind when you was talking about preparation, and this is this is um, a, a personal experience. Um, many people yeah. think, and I thought in the very beginning of starting my home-based business that I could sort of, um, I was a, a, a mother with an infant, and I could sort of, I, I would say wing it, for lack of a better ex- explanation, but there was mm-hmm. no schedule to how I was working. Friends would drop by, friends would call on the phone, and we would chit-chat, and I would feed the baby, and, you know, all of the things that a mother has to do and, and a wife has to do, and then address some of my business points. But now I'm looking at maybe 2 o'clock, maybe 3 o'clock, mm-hmm. maybe 4 o'clock, you know, and the whole day has gone People that I needed to engage in business were, were they they were leaving the office when I was just getting started. So I I read somewhere where a, a mother, a work from home mom said, when you when you work from home and you have children, you got to get a sitter. You got to schedule time for someone to help you with your children. Maybe even come in and help you with the housework. And it seems intangible, but. It's something that you have to do. So when you were talking about preparation, you have to look at it like a business. So it took a while for me to realize I couldn't sleep till ten, eleven o'clock. I had to get up, get dressed, like I was going to work, and sit at my office and prepare my day. Start out with my to-do list. What do I need to do today? What is urgent? What you know, and try to prioritize it. But you know, Haru, I'm here to tell you that that was not an easy journey. Oh, no. I think one of the most difficult uh, things for people to do when they start on their own is to to really schedule. What happens is we're spoiled. You know, when you have a job, you go in at the time somebody tells you to go in. Somebody dictates what you have to do and the workflow and how long it takes. So we're so accustomed to somebody setting the tone for the day, what the workflow is going to be, when we start and when we finish, that when we step out of that and we get that freedom, we don't know what to do with it. That's that's a, a, a huge challenge, and, and part of your preparation, too, and you mentioned creating a list. I'm a list uh, writer myself, and what I understood for myself in order to, to be successful was I had to prioritize based upon what my desired outcomes were. And so I was kind of going to get to that, but let me, let me get to it sooner. You have to figure out what it is that you need to do, and I'll tell you how meticulously I plan. Mm. Every year in, in, in the business, you shouldn't have really more than three, three goals because more than that is almost impossible to accomplish. So if it's um, increasing your income, increasing your reach in terms of your target market or, you know, whatever it is, you have three long-term goals. Those long-term goals should be broken down into monthly goals so that you know each month, you have a task that leads to the next thing that leads to the next thing that leads to the next thing that will get you to that final goal. Mm-hmm. Your monthly goals should be broken down into weekly goals so that every week you're leading towards that monthly goal. Your weekly goals should be broken down into daily goals, and your daily goals should be broken down into hourly tasks. And your hourly task you have to prioritize, um, meaning um, you should make the most difficult thing for you emotionally, you should put that at the top of your list instead of waiting. Because if it's at the bottom of your list, you push it back and push it back and it won't get done. 
And so every every morning uh, I write a list. At the end of the day, I review my list and see what I did and what I didn't do, and I make the adjustments for the next day. And so if you're not meticulously planning your workflow, it's going to be very difficult for you to be successful. So when I said in the beginning that everything has to have purpose and you can't live your life as a series of accidents, this is one way for you to really put things down on paper and have a clear vision of where you want to go. And it will also allow you to see if you're moving in the right direction at the speed that you want to move at. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's definitely that concept I think, that I talked challenges. about earlier when I said winging it, that that is what you're talking that's what you that's what you're talking about living your life as a series of accidents. A series of accidents, right. We don't want to wing it. And you mentioned something also that's really important. You said you have to get a sitter. And if even if you don't have children, you have to find other people to do certain tasks for you. See, one one thing that I, I learned, and, I'm, and I guess I'll share a story to tell you how I got to it. You have to understand what your time is worth. And most of us haven't put a dollar value to our time because we haven't really gone out there and, and, and tested the waters. I know for a fact that I can make $5,000 in an hour. And, and I'll tell you how I discovered that. Um, I do business consulting, and I used to be afraid to ask for the money. And my peers would tell me, Haru, you give good advice, you're a fool, you should really ask for the money. And I would, you know, say, oh, $2,000, $2,500, and it was like, you should, get re- you should get a lot more for it. And so one day I was putting a proposal together for a client, and I was really excited about it, and he said he wanted his business to be a million-dollar business. And I was confident that I could do it, so I, I met him, and I and, and before I left my house, I said, I'm going to ask him for $10,000. And so I went to his office, and I, I pitched him the proposal, and he was really excited. And he said, wow, this is great. He said, so how much is it going to cost me? And I looked him straight in his eyes, and I said, $30,000. And he said to me, is that it? And so I, I began to realize the value of what I was offering. And once I realized that, I realized that I couldn't waste time doing minimum wage work anymore. So all the little tasks, whether it was um, the house cleaning, whether it was cutting the lawn, whether it was, you know, doing all these little things that take up a lot of time, I realized that it makes more sense for me to pay someone a small amount to get it done so I can get my time back. One of the reasons that we make money is to get our time back. And so it doesn't make sense for you to, to, to spend all your time doing menial tasks that take away from the bigger picture. So they and, and today there's no reason that you have to. There are so many online resources like um, TaskRabbit. If you go to TaskRabbit.com, you can basically get somebody to do anything for a low price. You can say, "I need my dry cleaning picked up." Somebody will do it. Um, <laughs> I need um, something hung up in the house. They'll do it. There's so many different things that you know you can hire somebody really inexpensively to do for you that give you your time back, and you should. One of the things that you'll understand as a business owner is your job is to to work on the business, not in the business. Mm. See, that's one of the things Say it that again, separates Haru. the business. Say it. You have Say to work again. on the business, not in the business. And mm. that's the major thing that separates a business owner from somebody that's self-employed. A, self, a self-employed person has 15 jobs. So you're the bookkeeper, you're the janitor, you're the customer service rep, you're the everything. A business owner has a vision and lets other people drive that vision. 
And so I say you can't afford. Some people say, well, I can't afford to hire someone. I say you can't afford not to hire someone to do those small things so that you can be the bigger picture. I think, um, Haru, we could stop this show right now. And I think that you have nailed it right there on the spot. I, I just, that is such a simple concept. But until you hear somebody say it, and then you, you understand, it's, it's working smart. And, and I thought, right. I'm going to go back to my experience as a mom, because I know there's a lot of moms out there who want to work home, work from home, or want to stay home and be there for their children and, you know, manage their home and, and take more control of their life. And that's what I wanted. And I, and I, Right. I was feeling kind of weird and guilty, like asking somebody to do this for me when I knew I could do it. But but you're right, Haru. You know, you can't be the graphic artist. You can't be the writer. You can't be the, the president and the administrator and, and the receptionist, you know, and, and the scheduler. You just can't do all of that and, right. and, and be successful. You just can't do it. And it's not that you're incapable, but you just can't do it. Well, one of the things, too, is, is very difficult. I know for, for myself, I'm a, uh, I call myself a, a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> and as a, <laughs> as a recovering perfectionist, a lot of times in the beginning as entrepreneurs, you think no one can do it like you can do it. And what I yeah. explain to people who are starting a business, nobody has to do it like you do it. They have to do it good enough for your clients. Mm-hmm. And, and see, that's a big difference. You know, um, certainly they, they, you might have the talent to do everything, but if you divide yourself between everything and you try to micromanage everything, everything is going to fail. There's just mm, only in, right. so much time, yeah, that you can dedicate to certain things. Yes. And we're here live on the Keys 107. This is real life. This is real talk. This is real solutions. This is live radio with financial advisor, business consultant, and author Haru Niket. Brother James is in the house. Um, We are here. We're going to go to a break very shortly. But we are covering some very essential areas for you and me, (laughs) because I'm I'm a student of Haru Niket, and I'm proud to say it. But we're talking about some strategies that you really have to. It's not even a thought anymore. This is what you have to do. You've got to evaluate where you are. And I want to talk about that evaluation when you talked about look at yourself. Well, how do you do that, Peru, really? Well, one thing you have to, like I said, reserve judgment. And I think that's one of the most difficult things for people to do. Um, They start criticizing themselves for how or why they got in the situation that they're in. And that type of self-criticism doesn't serve you in the moment. And so it's really just about being honest about where you are. It doesn't matter how you got there at the point where we're doing this evaluation. How you got there is irrelevant because you're not going back to that anyway. And so mm-hmm. if you're just honest about and well, it's the same thing. If you ever think about, I don't know if you've ever uh, did any thing in the woods where you had to use a compass. You know, there's, there's two <laughs> things you have to know. Right, Because if you're just a little off with the compass, you end up miles away from where you want to be. So the first thing is you have to get an accurate picture of exactly where you're starting from. And then you have to get an accurate picture of exactly where you want to go so that you know the direction to travel in because any deviation from that is going to take you way off course. And it's the same thing with your life. You have to really be honest. And, again, it doesn't matter how you got there. It doesn't matter why you got there. Just be honest about where you are so you can create the appropriate solution. 
you know, self-reflection is one of the, the most difficult things, you know. And one thing that, that goes along with that is you really have to challenge your core beliefs. And that's really difficult for somebody because, you know, your core beliefs have been shaped by your upbringing, by your, your mm. religious um, values, by, mm-hmm. you know, um, your education. Your So your core beliefs have, have really solidified who you are in, in, as a person. And to have to challenge that because it's not serving you is very difficult. But what I tell people is that your core beliefs weren't, aren't wrong. They're just wrong for you right now. And, and everybody evolves and everybody grows. So the person you were 10 years ago is not the person you are now, and hopefully you won't be the same person 10 years from now. So every once in a while, I think it's important to shake up your core beliefs and challenge them um, to see if they're denying you from where you want to be. Well, Haru, uh, Brother James is here. Brother James, you're quiet today. Are you using your pen? <laughs> got some ink in your pen still? What's going on? Well, I'll move forward a little bit um, because I think we, we were talking about preparation, and I think we're at that point in the preparation where now you have to really start thinking about the, what vehicle uh, will get you where you need to be. One of the things that uh, people don't understand is that uh, people come to me all the time and they say, well, Haru, I got this fantastic opportunity for you. And I say no, and they don't understand why I say no. And I say, well, every opportunity is not for everybody, and I'll tell you why. Mm. There's only so, so much time, so much energy, and so much, and so much resources available to any individual at a given time. And if my desired outcome dictates that I need a certain amount of income at a certain amount of time, and that opportunity doesn't fit in, in terms of being able to get me that outcome in that time frame, it's a waste of my time. And so it doesn't mean it's not a great opportunity for someone else, but it's not a great opportunity for me because everybody's opportunities have to be based on where they're starting and where they want to end up. Mm. And and this goes right back to this goes right back to what you said about being honest. Yes. Mm. So when we, uh, you know, uh, I know you want to go forward, but you can't go forward unless you really when a person steps into the arena to think about starting a business, they have to be true to self. Will, are they willing to sacrifice? Are they, do they really understand their strengths and their weaknesses? Do they have the passion necessary to see them through some of the rough uh, spots that they're going to encounter? You know, are they creative enough to make it happen? And um, do they trust enough in themselves to to believe that they can be successful. I think um, people hold on to fears and doubts, and I think that's one of the impediments that keep them from becoming successful in any endeavor, especially financial. You know, because there's a lot. Well, that's- you, yeah, you you hit something right on the head. There's, there's really two driving forces with most people when it comes to money, and that's fear and greed. Mm. And both of those will make you make poor decisions. Um, you know, fear is an emotion that contracts and it restricts. And, right. Um, right. And if you make your decisions based on fear, and, and there's a, a certain level of, of um, I don't want to say healthy fear, but, but healthy concern that everyone should have. You should, you should go into every endeavor, financial endeavor, um, with a little skepticism so that you don't miss certain things because you're, you know, just overexcited about it. 
Um, mm-hmm. But to go into it fearful, you're not going to make good decisions for yourself. Um, and, and that's whether you're starting a business, whether you're investing in real estate, whether you're investing in the stock market, uh, whether you're doing any of those things, there's a certain level of risk that's involved. And right. I think people get comfortable uh, on a job. It's, it's weird because they're comfortable with discomfort, right? They hate their job, but they're comfortable because they know that. They're comfortable with, with what they know, even though they don't like it. And mm-hmm. it's very difficult to go out there. You know, I tell people all the time, I, I get a thrill from dictating uh, whether or not I'm going to eat. I get a thrill about determining how much money I'm going to make. I get a thrill from, to me, it's just so much more natural. You know, it's, it's like in, you know, primitive times where if, if you didn't produce, you don't eat. And so right. um, it, takes a, it takes a certain mindset and a certain amount of courage to say, you know what, I'm going to do this on my own. Um, you know, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to take a risk and put this money in the stock market. But I'm going to take this risk and I'm, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to buy this piece of property and I'm going to, you know, um, get some money from real estate. There's an there's a inherent level of risk that's involved. And if you can't handle the risk, then you shouldn't be in the game. And right. most people don't even understand how to assess risk. You know, we weren't going to talk about that today, but I think it's important to understand how to assess risk. Risk is not about the probability of outcome. And then let me just make it clear. It doesn't matter if it's a 50-50 chance, if it's 80-20 in your favor or 80-20 against you. Um, you assess risk based on can I handle the outcome if it doesn't go in my favor. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's, like I say, 99 to 1, it's going to happen. If you can't handle that one, then don't do it. You know, and so sometimes we, we have to step back and, and really determine um, our risk tolerance and what we're willing to do. And if, you, if you're not willing to take certain levels of risk, because there are certain factors that we can't control. We try to control as much as we can, but who knew? Well, I kind of predicted it, but who knew? Most people didn't realize China uh, was going to fall when they did. China is really uh, in a bad way right now. Um, but right. to me, the writing was on the wall. Um, you know, who knew Brazil was going to be in trouble? Who knew Russia was going to be in a recession? So those were the brick. Everybody was bragging about Brazil, Russia, India, and China, the brick countries. These are the big emerging economies, and China was going to take over the world economically. Um, and who knew? There were mutual funds um, maybe six months ago that, that invested only in China, and they were paying, I kid you not, over 100% return on investment. Wow. That's and I'm a hundred percent return on investment, and all of them now have plummeted. There's mm. certain things that are beyond our control, but there's a certain level of risk, again inherent in everything. Had you been able to ride that wave, that trend when it was happening, and get a hundred percent return, if it fell suddenly, it doesn't matter because you got your money anyway. And and right. one thing that people are always looking for is that steadiness okay, I know I don't get paid much, but I know I get paid every every other Friday. I know I don't get paid much, but I know this is the amount I'm going to get. Um, so it takes a different mindset and attitude to say, I'm excited that next week I might make twice as much as I did this week. And a lot of it has to do with my own efforts. But I also realize there are things that are beyond my control. And that's a, a different conversation about how how to make yourself not fragile. Um, right. You know, and that's something we can cover in, in a future, um, you know, show. You have to put certain things in place so that you're not 
so fragile that if the economy shifts that you lose it all. Um, I had colleagues that during the recession, they had far more than me starting uh, uh, before the recession started and lost everything in a recession because they put themselves in a fragile position. And although I didn't gain as much as they did prior to the recession, I didn't lose everything during the recession, so I was able to rebuild. And that's a certain mindset that you have to have that no matter what the economy is doing up, down, or sideways, you always feel that you can come out on top. So you have to have this attitude about being a winner. And no matter what, there's always a way uh, to be successful. You have to make adjustments. The world is adjusting all the time. So even if you did exactly the same thing over and over, you still will lose because the world is changing around you. Right. So you you have to uh, always be one step ahead of the game, seeing the next opportunity and be, right. and like don't be afraid to sort of pull the trigger and move in that area not saying that you have to bring every, all put all your eggs in one basket you want to diversify a little bit so that you don't fall if your one um breadwinner kind of collapses on you you still can survive and you still keep it moving well, you know you said something you ha- you can't be afraid to pull the trigger but there right. and there's the other side of that um you don't have to pull the trigger just because you have the gun in your hand. You have to wait for the right time. Timing is critical. And sometimes people think, well, I have to do it right now. No, sometimes you have to sit back and you have to wait for the right opportunity. Like I was explaining earlier, every opportunity is not a good opportunity for everybody. Right. And so some opportunities you have to pat, let them pass because now it's not, now it's not the right time and it's, and it's going to you know, chew up all your resources for something that's not going to get you where you want to be. Um, the other thing, you know, it's interesting you mentioned diversify. And diversify has been one of the things that you, you'll hear over and over and over and over and over. Um, I have a slightly different take on that. You know, people diversify to mitigate the risk. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times they diversify based on fear. And if we look at some of the wealthiest people in the world, they don't diversify. Uh, we look at, at um uh, the guy that owns Microsoft, uh, all he owns is Microsoft. You know, he doesn't diversify. When we look at, you know, Warren Buffett, who's probably the most successful investor in the world, he has very little holdings. Um, if you find a winning strategy, you put most of your eggs in that basket. And so what we want to do is, is more of a, a barbell strategy. Uh, one thing that people don't understand is if you play the middle, in which most people do, again, out of fear, you always lose. The Mm. the economy doesn't work in the middle. It swings back and forth, back and forth. And so you'll put most of your stuff in something that's uh, very low risk but a decent return, and you'll put some stuff on the far end in the risky stuff because you can get a windfall. But playing the middle is where you're going to lose. And also, rather than diversify so much, um, and I'm not saying put everything in one basket. Like you said, don't put it all necessarily in one basket. Um, mm-hmm. But instead of diversifying, you put as much in a winning strategy as possible with the the knowledge that it will never stay viable forever. Right. You know, there's nothing. There's no piece of real estate. There's no business. There's no investment that will stay viable forever. And so we begin to uh, look for that next opportunity, and we ride that first one until the wheels fall off. Right. And I think, you know, we're moving to a, a new world where that's going to have to be more of the strategy because we live in such a volatile uh, structure where things rise extremely rapidly and then they fall just as rapidly. It used to be a slow growth 
a tapering off and then a slow decline, and, and the world just doesn't move that way anymore. It's super rapid growth and then instant decline. Right. So now, right. we, you know, the trick is the mindset is really to be agile. You know, we used mm-hmm. to look for stability. Now we need agility. Mm. Mm. Well, when you mentioned, like, Microsoft, you know, um, in in the sense of diversifying your product or services, meaning they come out with a new package each year or every two years or some other software that you have to uh, wait in line to receive because they're marketing in advance, making sure that they have more than just one thing that you're going to need from them. And same thing in the car industry. You know, you start off with uh, the 2015. The next thing you know, you look up at that same car uh, manufacturer. They came out with a new model for 2016. And uh, now they're into um, electric cars. So that's the type of diversity. If you're in a particular business, just span your your menu, the things that you can provide to help people or the things that you can make money from. I, you know, that's what I was right. thinking. So that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So which is which is a little different than, than diversifying. So one thing that you want to be able to do, you want to be able to upsell, cross-sell, side-sell the same people over mm-hmm. and over. And that, that's, right. the, that's the beautiful thing. That's what you want to do. Is you know if you if, once you find a customer base that has an insatiable appetite for whatever it is you're offering, then you find new ways of delivering based on their feedback, new ways of of um, you know solving small issues. Um, like you said, car manufacturers, it's almost the same car except they might add uh, a new cup holder, you know, right. or they might you know change the change the interior. So yeah, it's it's really important that you begin to upsell because if you have the exact same product that doesn't change then you have to keep finding new people to sell it to. And that's Absolutely. the problem. Absolutely, and then your competitors begin to uh, um, upstart you as well. They see that you're stagnated, and they're going to give that extra edge so it's still your market, you know. And uh, you right. always got to right. be of, of uh, what everybody else is because we are copycat society, you know. Right. So, so, well, Peru um, and Brother James, we're going to break for a, a brief commercial and just want to give the call-in number out again. You can listen live or you can talk to Haru, 213-943-3618. The chat room is open. The Facebook is open. We're going to go to a the fluff commercial first, Brother James, and then we're going to do RCS and the healthy tip of the day. Okay. The fluff presents the alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, go to www.thefluffamily.com. Rafika Consultants and Services Technology Trainers. Do you need help making your computer or smartphone work for you? Whether it's managing your email, navigating Windows 8, working with MS Office, creating videos for YouTube, or any other technology need, our friendly and expert trainers are ready to help you get it right. 
We also provide public relations and web design project management. For more information, contact us at www.RafikaCS.com or on Facebook at Rafika Consultants and Services. The Keys 107 and presents the Healthy Tip of the Day. The Healthy Tip of the Day is to spend time in nature. Being in nature is an excellent way to connect with the earth and its natural rhythm. At least once a week for 30 minutes, explore your local park by walking a trail or finding a peaceful place just to relax. When you start communing regularly with nature, expect to feel more at peace and calm within. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by wellness expert Medea Allen. I invite you to learn more about me and my services at www.organicsoulchef.com. Before we get started, um, Haru and Brother James and to our listening audience, I just want everyone to know that that music you're listening to under the organic soul chef Fadia Allen is none other than Ernie J. Smith, South African award-winning jazz musician. And coming up in our next episode, we're going to be debuting Ernie Smith's new single, called Wena, W-E-N-A. And Ernie Smith is on his way to the United States. He'll be in New York and most likely, okay, I can't say the place to that. All right, never mind. Harut, take us right into the next point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so once you've, you've figured out exactly what it is you, you want to do to get you where you need to be, then it's time to execute. And one thing that people tend to do is they, they want to wait until everything is perfect. And you can't wait till everything is perfect because the world is constantly changing. So it's important just to get started. And in getting started, one thing that's, that's also important is to understand that there's no such thing as a self-made millionaire. Um, collaboration is so critical today because things are moving so fast. It's important that you gather the right team to be around you, whether it's a professional team, a uh, team of support, uh, like you said, whether it's the, the babysitter and the people who do um, you know, different tasks for you. It's important that you begin to collaborate, and you can collaborate with people all over the world now, which is a good thing uh, through the Internet. It's important, though, once you get started, that when you execute, you test. Testing is critical. Um, we talked earlier about not putting all your eggs in one basket. Well, before you put many eggs in a basket, you need to test. The rule is test small, lose small, test big, lose big. You will always get feedback once you put something out there. So if you invested in a stock or a mutual fund, the feedback will be your statement that says, oh, this thing went up or this thing went down. If it's a business, um, what you want to do, you can get instant feedback today, which is really important. Um, we have Facebook where you can post to your demographic 
would you be interested in this product or service at this price point on this day? Is this how you'd like it delivered? And you get instant feedback. Um, you don't want to invest a, a tremendous amount of money into a business or a piece of real estate and then discover that it's not producing. So you have to test. Once you've tested and you've gotten your feedback, then you have to make some decisions. The feedback will tell you, should I strategically abandon this idea? Mm-hmm. And that's a tough thing to swallow when you put time, energy, passion into something. There are some things that you have to abandon. It just doesn't make sense because moving forward is going to cost you uh, more than abandoning, abandoning uh, what you were trying to do. Sometimes you'll get feedback and it'll tell you, I need to make what we call a pivot. I need to change direction. I thought I was going to make money this way, but the feedback is telling me people want it another way. I need to make some changes so that I meet the wants of the market. Or I need to make some changes because China is no longer a a great investment. I need to make some changes because that neighborhood has changed for the better or for the worse, and I need to uh, buy real estate someplace else. Um, so sometimes you, you pivot. And then there are other times when your test shows you this thing is phenomenal and you push through. You put all the eggs in that basket and you move forward and uh, you ride it until the wheels fall off. So, you know, when we follow that formula from the beginning, evaluation, preparation, execution, it makes it much more difficult to fail. You know, it, it makes it much more challenging for you not to be successful. And so it's really important um, that we follow that to the letter. You know, we have to evaluate. And then it starts all over again. Once you find success, you have to start this process all over again because, as I explained, there's nothing that's going to be viable forever. So um, if you strategically abandon, you evaluate why, why you had to abandon it. You have to look and say, okay, I do what we call a post-mortem. You have to look at it and say, this thing died. Well, why did this thing die? And then sometimes you have to look at um, the the pivot. You have to evaluate, okay, well, is the pivot going to last for a long time? Or is the push-through going to last for a long time? So that process is going on over and over and over and over. It never stops. And that's how you remain successful. You can't be successful and sit back and think it's going to last forever. Mm. Um, Haru, we have a, a yeah. question here in the inbox, and the, the person sure. wants to know, I guess it's anonymous, I want to focus on a new business. Should I do what I am passionate about? <laughs> well, I have a theory about that. Um, it's very difficult to make money on something you're passionate about because one of the things that I just talked about was testing and getting feedback. And when you're passionate about something, sometimes you tend to ignore the feedback because the feedback would say strategically abandoned or you have to pivot. In more cases than not, you're going to have to pivot in some way, shape, or form, and it's difficult for people emotionally to pivot and change what their passion is. So um, can you do it? Yes, but go into it understanding that the outcome of what you start probably will not look like uh, how you envisioned it when you, when you began. So um, my theory is make your money where the market says that um, 
the money is, so you have time mm. to do your passion. So is there a difference between setting up a business uh, for what is needed and what is wanted? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's very interesting. Most people think that you should start a business for what people need, and the reality is people don't often pay for what they need. They only pay for what they want. Ooh. And a perfect example, yeah, perfect example of that is nobody needs, um, I don't want to call anybody out, fast food restaurants. Mm. There's nobody, nobody needs that. Um, most people, I would say, need a health food store. But very few people go to health food stores, and a lot of people go to a fast food restaurant. And so people will only pay for what it is that they need, I mean what they want, rather than what it is that they need. So if you're going out there on a crusade uh, because you want to help people, my philosophy with that is sell people what they want and give them what they need. And I'll give you an example of that. I had a, a good friend who had, he started a, a vegan restaurant and food was phenomenal. And he was upset because people weren't buying the salad. They were only buying the uh, fake meat products. And I told him, I said, well, if you want people to have the salad, put the fake meat on a bed of salad, and then you won't <laughs> feel away, right? You're selling them what they want, and you give them what they need. And it's their choice whether they eat it or not, but you'll feel good because they have it with them. And you have to do that. Some, you know, when you're on a crusade, you can't uh, focus on selling them what they, what they need. Sell them what they want and give them what they need. Mm. That is just the opposite. That is the opposite of what I thought. I thought you should start it based <laughs> on what people need. No, people don't buy what they need. People only buy what people they want. People shop most, from most the heart. buying is, is, right, exactly. It's emotional. And then you justify it with logic later. And so knowing that, you have to, right, you, you have to go with people's heart. You know, if that's what they want, then, you, you know, you have to provide that. Mm. You will never well, make money selling to, people what they need. Let's <laughs> Let's get back to execution as we're running close to the end of our hour of power. We're live with uh, Haru Niket. Haru is going to handle our financial key. He is going to be live with us every third Thursday of the month. So you can listen back, take your notes, and all of our shows are archived, and tune in in October and have your questions ready, and Haru will be there to answer your questions. I don't think there's anything relating to business and finances that Haru can help you with. And can I put this out there? I, I have a free um, workshop this Sunday and next Sunday. Um, you know, So hopefully the people who are on this call will take advantage of that. Um, we only had an hour today. I'm going to pack in two hours worth of nonstop information. Um, so, you know, people can contact me. Um, they have the contact information on there. It's absolutely free, but space is definitely uh, limited. So um, take advantage of that now. Mm. We're going to talk about those um, seminars just before we close. Okay. Give out the address and a contact number. Sure. But I'm so excited about the execution part of this today's conversation. Mm -hmm. You said. Well, yes. Where's my notes? Hang on, I gotta turn the page. 
Test small, lose small. Test big, lose big. So what? You, it, it, yes. What you're saying, mm. and, and tell me if I'm not on track here. If you spend a lot or invest a lot in a market that you're not familiar with, or you you don't have a, uh, a you don't have clarity on the outcome, you're going to lose big. So what you should do is. Start small, invest small, so that if it's not a healthy investment or a lucrative investment, you lose small. Absolutely, and I'll tell you why. Um, Most people, well, most people don't plan properly anyway, but people who do a business plan, they plan based upon a snapshot in time. And when I say that is, I'll I'll give you a, a story to give you an example. I have a handyman who does work for me. He taught me a very valuable lesson. And I would say, well, what time are you going to come and you're going to fix this? And he said, all things being equal, I'll be there at 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And then 3 o'clock would come, and he's not there. And I call him. I say, hey, what happened? He said, well, you know, I got uh, stuck in some traffic, and then my daughter called, and then this happened. I said, okay, well, what time are you coming? He said, well, all things being equal, I'll be there by 5 o'clock. And then 5 o'clock would come, and he wouldn't be there. I said, well, what happened? And he said, well, you know, this happened and that happened. And then he said, I said, okay, well, when are you going to come? He said, I'll be there tomorrow at 9 o'clock. And this would go on for a while, and eventually he would show up. And then I realized he didn't lie to me. He said, all things being equal, I will be there. And I discovered all things will never be equal. And so when we make our business plans, we make our business plans based upon a snapshot in time, what's happening globally in the economy, what's happening um, locally, uh, what, what laws are in existence now? What does the market want right now? So we make a, a year-long plan based upon what's happening today. And in a year's time, things won't be equal. And so to avoid a, a major disaster, you test in a small way to see if your plan still makes sense. Because if mm. your plan doesn't make sense and you go all in, then you just lost because all things will yeah. never be equal. Mm. So that, that's really important. Test, 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 test over and over. And there's so many ways to test. You can do uh, focus groups. You can do – they have a, a survey, online survey. Survey Monkey uh, allows you to do free surveys with, with your clients. Um, you know, again, you can use Facebook and Twitter to get real-time information. It used to take weeks and months to get feedback from your, your customers, and you can get it instantly now. Mm-hmm. And – and here's important, too, when I say test small, test small things. So if you put out a marketing piece and it's not getting you the response you want, then just test the headline. Change the headline and see what happens. Because mm-hmm. if you change the whole thing, you don't even know what thing it was that made the difference. So you test by putting out small-scale things, but you test small variables also. So it might be a small piece of the product or a small part of the service, or it might be a small part of the marketing. Um, but you have to test. Testing is critical, and testing never ends. That's something you have to do, again, forever through the life of the, the product or the investment. Uh, Haru, when we talk yes. about um, business plan, is business plan uh, to mean part of the preparation but uh, largely um, about the execution? Well, it's, it's interesting because um, business plans – traditionally were really used to get investment from outside people. And it was a way to lay out 
what your strategy is, um, what you, how much money you plan to make, how you plan to get it so that someone would give you money. So there's a difference between a business plan that's used for that and a business plan that's used for you to have direction. Um, a business plan to get investment is like 30, sometimes 40, 50 pages long. Um, a business plan for you, I call it dynamic planning, which is a lot, a lot different because it has to be organic and has to be able to change um, as the world is changing around you. So you give yourself more of an outline and give yourself a direction, and as you start to test, you start to pivot and change the, the direction of the, of the plan, and um, it, you start to fill in the blanks as you go. It just gives you more structure and direction as opposed to trying to, you know, fill in all the blanks and, and give you a big outcome the way you would try to present it to an investor. Okay, okay, that that makes sense because, again, that's the old model. The business plan was the heart right. of you getting into business, you know, and, and then what happened was there was really no true ex, uh, plan for execution. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. You have a wonderful laid-out um, plan to get money, but you 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 really don't have a plan <laughs> to make money. Right. You know. Right. So you want to use a like I said something more dynamic that is you know you're getting feedback, so you're making the adjustments, and and it ties into what we talked about earlier about setting your your annual goals and your monthly and your weekly. You know, it ties right into that as opposed to that big giant you know thing with all the graphics and you know, all this other stuff, like you said, that looks great for an investor but really doesn't give you the direction you need. All right. Thank you for that clarity. You're welcome. Well, uh, one thing that I want to bring back, um, and maybe this should be a good closing point, you said first you should only have you should not have more than three three goals. Sometimes, Haru, I, I can't read my handwriting. I'm writing so <laughs> fast. Um, ooh, you should not have more than three goals. And you says that your long-term goals should be broken down into – now, here's, here's where you need to write slow, listening audience, keys, family. Your long-term goals should be broken down to monthly goals. Then it should be broken down to weekly goals then to daily goals, and hold on, then to hourly goals, and then you have to list your tasks and prioritize. Correct. Mm. Mm. I know it sounds like a lot, but it's really not because you're only talking about three annual goals. So um, really to try to accomplish more than that is unrealistic, and I think sometimes we take on far more than we can handle. And when you're inexperienced, you think you can handle 10 goals. You can't. Um, You really have to be able to focus time, energy, and resources on three major things um, that you want to accomplish for the year. And it becomes easy when you break it down into the monthly goals and the weekly goals and the daily goals and then the hourly tasks. And it doesn't mean that you've accounted for 24 hours, but you need to dedicate some hours towards the daily uh, thing that you're trying to accomplish, which leads you, you know, to each stage of your success. And create that checklist. You have to. You have to. Um, 
you have to give yourself what I call key point indicators. Like, how do you know you're on track? How do you know you're, be, you're successful? How do you know things are going the way that, that you want them to go if you don't have things that you have to check off on that list? If you don't have, mm. oh, this is what I was supposed to accomplish to, to make this happen, um, then you, you won't even know if you're on track until maybe it's too late. You won't realize mm-hmm. you had to pivot. You won't realize you should have abandoned maybe months ago. Yes. You know, it's so yeah. important. You can't skip that. No, those are some of the distasteful things that entrepreneurs have to do that they don't like. We like the, the really, you know, beautiful things. Uh, we we want to be maybe in front of, of people selling or we want to do the marketing or we want to do some of the more glamorous things um, as an entrepreneur, but those are the things that people don't see. Those are the things that uh, really make the difference between somebody who's super successful and somebody who's not. Um, it's always the preparation. It's always the things behind closed doors that people don't see that really make the biggest difference. Well, I think preparation is is, is a scary thing for a lot of people, especially those people who don't really feel like they're organized people or don't want to be organized, who feel that their organization is their chaos, you know? <laughs> Well, that'll only get you so far, and I think that's an excuse most of us make because nobody likes to really get organized. You know, I mean, there are a few people who really enjoy it, but, you know, as entrepreneurs, again, that's one of the the distasteful tasks. Uh, We want to just blow right by that. And, um, you know, I tell people if if you can't do it, you should hire somebody to do it. There are professional organizers. There are some people that are really great at that, and you need to use their skills. Um, Organization is not one of my favorite tasks, um, but I know it's necessary. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that, you know, again, if you can't do it, there's somebody who will do it and it won't cost you that much. So you can't afford not to get organized. So listening family, one of the gems that uh, Haru is going to leave us with today is TaskRabbit.com. So not only is Haru sharing his life experience with us and giving us strategies that work and letting us know that, These are strategies that he uses with his clients and he's been using with his clients, and they're fail-proof. They will not only help you with your finances, they really help you with your life because if you can look at what your goals are, you know, whether it's if you want to do renovations in your home, whether you want to read a book, you know, when we move up in life, you really have to do things like schedule time to reading. It sounds ridiculous, but it does. I have... When I had my business, one of the things I do, because I'm in business, but one of the things I do is I schedule time to talk to my friends. So whereas in the early days, years ago, I would just allow people to call me anytime and chit-chat, and it's not about my business and hang up the phone and an hour has passed. And as you said earlier, hours are very important. One of the things I did well, was I call schedule. Those people, I call those people the time thieves. Mm. Thieves, succubus, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't mean any harm, but they just don't they don't understand, no. you know? They right. don't mean they any harm and they time. just and they think because you're you work from home or you're self employed, you can just you know, or running a business, you can just pop over any time. So but scheduling time to talk to your friends because keeping connections with people is critical. I never want to be, yeah. and Haru, mark my words, I never want to be one of those busy people who don't have time 
for their friends and their family. I always want to make time. So I would tell my friends, and I think in the beginning it was a little uncomfortable, but eventually they saw that it made more sense. Let's talk during this time of the day. This way I'm not taking away your time and you're not taking away my time, but we're staying connected. We're catching up with each other. We're laughing. We're joking and doing things that friends do, and that's important because if you don't have balance, I guess that's what I'm trying to say, Haru, you have to be balanced. I agree. And, and that's why I think creating systems gives you balance. You know, so your world is just not chaotic. Um, you know, when you don't have those systems in place and you don't have those schedules in place, you're just running around like a chicken with his head cut off and, you know, his head uh-huh. cut off and you're just, you know, so out of control all day long and you don't know when you're going to have time. Um, you know, the way I designed my world was so that I could be involved in my children's lives when they were young. Uh, I never missed a school event. Um, I never missed one of their sports activities. I never missed one of their performances. You know, I made sure that I scheduled my world so that I could be uh, fully invested in what they're doing and a part of that. Um, like I, I tell everybody all the time, the reason you want to make money is to get your time back and to be able to use that time to do uh, what you want with the people that you want to do it with. Um, you know, that, that's so important, but you can't do that if you're not organized. If you don't follow this plan, if you don't follow that formula, evaluation, preparation, execution, then, you know, it's just a free-for-all. You're just running around, and, and you lose, end up losing all your time, that one resource that you can never get back. Exactly, so and you true. become a slave to your business. Yes. Mm. Haru, why don't you uh, take this moment to let everyone know about the upcoming seminar, the location. Um, you already said it's free, and I think that's that's very wonderful. The location, the time. <laughs> the yes. best price. So, um, this, yes, that's the best price. This Sunday <laughs> and next Sunday. Last last two I'm doing this year, uh, so don't miss them. This Sunday and next Sunday uh, from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock, at 216 Green Avenue in Brooklyn, um, I'm having seminar that, and it's going to be packed with money-making strategies. Um, I'm going to cover real estate. I'm going to cover business development. I'm going to cover um, investing, and I'm and I'm giving you. I'm going to give you resources. I'm going to give you strategies. I'm going to give you tips. I'm going to give you tools to be successful. Um, my promise to people when they take that seminar is that they don't make money by Monday night. They just didn't listen. Oh. And so it's going to be full. It's going to be packed. So um, to reserve this seat, they should email me uh, at Haru, H-E-R-U, at insidersgroup.com. Uh, let me know if you're going to bring a guest, and I'll reserve seats for you. Uh, but don't miss it because this, these two are the last ones I'm going to do for 2015. Haru, give out your Facebook, um, too, because people can link with yes. you on Facebook. So they can they can um, find me at Insiders Group Inc. is uh, my business. That's the business page. Um, but they can friend me. You know, Haru Niket, H E R U N E K H E T. I welcome people to you know um, friend me, and we can talk, and you can inbox me and give me ideas about things that you want to cover um, on the segments as we move forward. So. You know, I'm really excited about this opportunity and really looking forward to providing information for the audience, and I'm really happy to be a part of the Keys family. We are, we are ecstatic that you are here uh, dealing with the financial key, which is a very important key in, in the full picture of life. 
many people, when the finances are not going right, nothing else in their life goes right. So we want to help people get fine-tuned and tuned in. And, and I'd like to just um, just give a shout-out to my sister, Aisha, Laura Aisha Sores, who introduced um, Haru yes. Maquette to us at the Keys 107. I know she called me one day, and she goes, Fika, Fika. Do you know Haru Niket? And I go, no. And she goes, he's the one for your show. He's going to make a great guest. Inbox him. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I did, and I called her yesterday, Haru, and I thanked her. And I just said, you know, sometimes we don't stop and say thank you when somebody, you know, blesses us with a magnificent gem. And you are, you're going to help so many people as well as, me and Brother James, because we are your number one students right now. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Well, well I want to thank both Haru- of you for the opportunity. Oh, we're 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 sewn together now. Don't worry about it. You, <laughs> <laughs> Haru, we we want to make the official announcement that the uh, Keys One Hundred Seven is traveling to South Africa. We talked about it on our last show. We mentioned it in, at the opening. But we're going to give out those dates now. It's going to be July 14th through the 13th. It's two weeks. It's three cities, Durban, Johannesburg, and South and, uh, Cape Town. When we go to Cape Town, we're actually going to visit the uh, Robben Island and take that journey that Nelson Mandela and the others who were arrested and, and sentenced to life in prison, to, to take yourself and and put yourself in that cell where Nelson Mandela lived for 25 years. If I have my facts correct, if not, inbox me and correct me. I'm open. But I remember going there with the International Arts Foundation and experiencing that, and it is a it is a life changing experience. We went to Nelson Mandela's home. We uh, witnessed we went groups of, of children, home. both of his homes. Well, one we couldn't go into. We just sort of drove by, you know, and, and, and did the wave. But the the house that he was living in when he was active in the ANC, we went into. And it's it's sort of set up like a museum. It's, it's just a beautiful experience. And Durban, South Africa, is unlike anything you can ever imagine. It's it is very New York. It is very city, and uh, it's just it's beautiful. And um, we had a chance to put our feet in the Indian Ocean, splash around in the beaches. Um, Cape Town is is quaint. It's it's just a magnificent city. But I don't think there's anything that could ever express how you feel when you land in Africa. You come off that plane and you put your feet on that earth. There's just such a connection there. And we'd like to thank Ernest Kelly for um, inviting us to join the International Arts Foundation, which is based in New Orleans, Louisiana, to join us, to join them once again. So, Keys family, if you're interested in packing your bags and going to South Africa, visiting the Apartheid Museum, um, standing on the spot where Hector Peterson was, was murdered, if you are interested in experiencing this rich history, Going to Soweto, I can go on. I can let me stop right there. Inbox us. You will get the early bird special. And should we announce the price, James? Not yet. Not yet. Let's let's build okay. up the uh, 
<laughs> the first part first. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. And um, just to, you know, to jump on our segment, what's new in your world, um, James? We wanted to let everybody know that um, Ruby, who is our dog and fauna, our cat, are recovering from surgery. And I remember uh, when uh, Eddie Holman was on our show. Remember, James, he started talking about his cats. Yes. So, Eddie Holman, we just want you to know that uh, the cat fauna is in recovery and she's she's doing well. Got to take a pain medicine. Well, this this is going to wrap up our segment. I think we're going to take out um, take us out today with. I, I always play Ernie Smith, I believe, but I think I'm going to play a very special song that Ernie Smith um, sung called "Dance." And um, Haru, if you're still on the line, and if your listeners are your 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 listeners are tuned in, listen to the words very carefully to this song because you know sometimes you just have to dance. Um, listen to. Ernie's expression of dance, and this is Rafika. You can contact us on our Keys Facebook page, Keys 107. Our that's our group, and our Facebook page is the Keys 107 Network. You can hit us up on Twitter, and you can always always email us at suggestions at the Keys 107 Network dot com. Visit our website at the Keys 107, www.thekeys107network.com. And Haru is on our website. And in case you didn't get all the information he mentioned earlier, you can click on to that uh, featured guest button and go right to that page and click on Haru's information. So, James, are you ready to dance? Absolutely, and I'm going to click on that button again tomorrow because the information was fabulous and, and usable, and I think, thank you, Brother uh, Haru, for giving us another gem on the Keys 107. Have a blessed day, my friend. Good night, Keys family. Keys for life. You should know. 
listening to The Keys 107, opening doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika, and Brother James. 